Hey, Cam. Yes, Alex. Have a uh, random question. Have you ever had to be put under anesthesia? Um, I, I had to have a procedure done on my eye when I was like a year and a half, year and a half, two years old or so. Um, okay. but that, that's the only time actually. I haven't had to have anything else done since knock on wood. Uh, what about you? Do, do you have any recollection of, of what that was like? I don't. I not not at all. It, it was before my memory kicked in. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've I've had like like just local anesthesia tons of times. Um, but there was there was only one time that I actually had to get put under, and so I, I mean, I was a little nervous about it. So I asked the doctor. I was like, Hey, could could I? Could I administer my own anesthesia? Uh-huh. And doctor said, uh, you know, sure, n- knock yourself out. I don't believe you ever went to medical school. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast with your hosts, Riley's Rakes and the Big Chop Man. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves Podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined as always by Mr. Cam Matthews. How are you doing today, Cam? What? Shaking bacon. Oh, not too much. Not too much. Had a pretty good week. What, uh, what, what are you drinking this evening? Uh, this evening, I'm going back to the Old Faithful, the Bob Euchre special, good old Miller Lite. Swig of beer for the working man. All right. I, I too, am, uh, am drinking a domestic. I've got a, uh, I've got a Michelob Ultra, actually. Uh, so... Try, trying, to, uh, trying to rehydrate or something? <laughs> uh, buddy left a few over here, so free, okay, beers, are, free beers are good beers. Uh, I, I'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> As a reminder, Chatting Average Podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, a podcast platform where you can find such great podcasts as our friends Doc and Dylan over at the Platinum Sombrero. And speaking of Doc and Dylan, you can find them every Thursday on Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is an audio-only sports talk platform that's basically like a live podcast that you can participate in. Go to the iOS store or Google Play store and you can download that for free and jump right in with with some of your favorite podcasters. You never know when you might find a camera eye on there. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 So it's been it's been a really fun baseball week. Uh, Yes, it absolutely has been. Um, Braves record aside, it's been an interesting week around the league. It has. So I'll uh, I'll jump jump right in with the first thing that pops into my mind how'd you enjoy that field of dreams game man okay that was awesome it was so cool um it was <laughs> i was i was i was very skeptical going into it yeah um, so but like, they, I, man did they nail it yeah so it, it's funny like that entire day you know, it was like there was this great Twitter divide about, oh, Field of Dreams is a great movie. No, Field of Dreams is a horrible movie. This is going to stink. Whatever. <laughs> I, like, Field of Dreams is a serviceable baseball movie. And, you know, it has some really fun moments in it. And say whatever you want to about the actual story or how corny it is, yada, yada, yada. The it, It's left a, quite the impression on baseball and pop culture in general. I mean, you know the whole baseball field and a cornfield thing is well known because of that movie. You know, the idea that you walk baseball players walking out of a cornfield, like you can thank the movie for that, you know, for that being just imprinted on pop culture. So, you know, I'm not a huge fan of it. It's a fun movie. It's not my favorite by any means, but I was a little concerned that the game itself was going to get like overly cheesy or overly corny. And then we got to see Kevin Costner walk out onto the field and then players suddenly started walking out of the corn from behind him. And I thought, nope, they nailed it. Yep. That, I mean, it was perfect. It was so do, do this every single year. They've nailed it. 
Yes, please. That will uh, that will never get old. I could see that every year. And they've already announced they are bringing it back next year. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the highest rated uh, highest rated regular season game in like what sixteen years or something so, like that. Something like that. Yeah. And I I don't know if if that's going to hold up if they if those kind of ratings are going to stick around if they do it every single year. But I, I'm certainly not going to complain. I had a lot of fun watching that. And if if they ever picked the Braves to be in it, that might be the one time you can get me to plan a trip to the middle of nowhere in Iowa to uh, to go see a baseball game. Right. So, uh, well, and I thought what was cool, too, is that, you know, it, it's it's a it's kind of a small, intimate crowd. You know, I say small. It, it, there was eight thousand people in attendance. But, you know, by was comparison. That yeah, that, that that was that was an eight thousand person stadium. But, the, you know. That reminds me of of one cool thing that stuck out to me about the game because like everything in the ballpark was so much smaller than a regular major league ballpark. It really gave you a different perspective, especially with the Yankees on the sheer size of these human beings. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, Aaron, Aaron judge hit a tank, you know, what well, was it I, like just, in the- I, I just mean their physical size. Like you could tell, how large the like when they're at Yankee Stadium, it's such a behemoth of a ballpark that they right. look just like normal people when they're standing up there. And right. occasionally we need to be reminded these are not normal people. <laughs> no, no, except for except for Brett Gardner. He is small. Except for um, Brett Gardner, yes. I mean he's he's what, five foot ten and eighteen inches of that is his forehead? He was anyway. fantastic in Mars attacks. Right, 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 right. Um <laughs> That was a great movie. I love that. Yeah, so you, you didn't think I was going to get that reference, did you? <laughs> I thought it might be too old for you. No, 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 no. I was I was traumatized just like every other 90s youth by that movie. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but no, what I thought was cool, though, was that, like, you know, say what you want about Joe Buck and John Smoltz on commentary, but, like, you could even tell by listening to them that the... Just they the were having spe- fun. Yeah, the spectacle of this game was not lost on them either. This was new for them, too. I mean, yeah. bear in mind, this this was the first professional baseball game to ever be played, or first major league game to ever be played in the state of Iowa. This is new for everybody. And when you, you, know, when you got to hear, uh, hear Joe and, and John both talk about, like, the night before where they got to walk around with, and, with Kevin Costner and see everything, like – they just genuinely both sounded like fans of the game who got to experience something that they had never experienced before. So it was it was really cool just seeing the spectacle of it all. And moving forward, like I'm glad to hear that they are going to bring it back next year. I, I sincerely hope that they keep the White Sox as the home team because I think it needs some kind of regularity in that sense. Especially I, since I agree. I agree. Well, especially too since the field was modeled after Comiskey Park um to to an extent you know as far as like layout and and things of that nature um but i mean i think it'd be cool to have like a different quote-unquote visiting team each year and that would just give teams an excuse to be able to show up in their 20s flannels you know what i mean yeah like you you know what what team just popped popped into my mind that would be cool to see there just because of what they would do with the uniforms the detroit tigers oh yeah yeah, um, for sure. I mean, you think about it, like there even are even their so, current uniforms are are kind of old timey, which I like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, some like Red Sox flannels would look cool from that era, especially if you did like the actual like red stocking on the front of their jersey, like oh, they yeah. wore. You know, it, it, a lot of your, a lot of your teams that were around from that era would have some cool looks that they could bring back. I don't know if they're going to be as cool as the White Sox uniforms from that era because those were killer. And those I hope they fantastic. find and I hope they find excuses to bring those back more and more, especially the caps like the cap with no insignia on it. Just the white, black and white striped hat. Yeah, that was that was so cool. Like It was just such a cool look. I don't know. It was that, that everything was something... about it was just so well done. They 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 leaned into the movie part of it, but not too much that it got overbearing. Like they still let the game be the star. And, and good Lord, like the game itself, Field of Dreams stuff aside, that was one of the craziest ninth innings of baseball I've seen all year. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it and it ended on a perfect note. Like, you know, you couldn't have asked for a better ending to, 
you know, I'm not going to call it an exhibition game, but, you know, more towards a, a special game like that. And, and you know, moving forward, I, I think you can still call it the Field of Dreams game, but I, I, don't, think, I don't think you lean into the movie aspect of it moving no, forward. I mean, but, but I think he's not going to want to go do that every single year. I don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I mean, I think I think you you continue to call it the Field of Dreams game, but you maybe lean into more of like the 20s era of baseball, and you know that's what you harp on in, on your in between inning segments, and like you bring up stars of the past, you know, for both teams from that era, and you know you show off historical pictures of their stadium, like you make it almost like like a historical game more so than a movie spectacle game which i think it's fine for the first one but you know maybe change it up moving forward yeah yeah i don't mind that idea yeah I mean, again like like the the 20s era uniforms are the big things for me like if any if nothing else that's what i want to see come out of this game annually is old bygone era uniforms get one more run you know yeah there is one thing that I will say that I wish they would have done uh, that would have made it a little bit cooler. And that is to have James Earl Jones announce the opening, the the starting lineups. Well, he, he did narrate a, a video package for, for the game. And so how old is James Earl Jones at this point? He is 90. Yeah, I mean, and I, and I know that because I just had to look it up to make sure that he wasn't dead before <laughs> I talked. Gotcha. About well, him. I mean, you know, <laughs> ninety is on up there, and he I'm, is on up there. That's for sure. Yeah, but I mean, you know, say what you want about the movie, as, as you know, as cheesy as it might be, the people will come. Ray speech is oh fantastic, so excellent. Yes. Uh, yeah. Is is James Earl Jones the the greatest movie voice of all time? Um, yeah. Gotta, <laughs> I mean, gotta I, have him and Morgan Freeman in a cage match with Sean Connery as special guest referee. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh wait, but where does um where does Sam Elliott fit into all of this? Ooh. Man wakes up and sounds like he's just gargling gravel and is great. Yeah, uh, that's a good call. Yeah, <clears throat> fatal four way. I like it. <laughs> so uh, going going through the notes we've got for today's show, uh, got to got to talk about a guy whose name I didn't know until this week, and that's Tyler Gilbert. Oh boy, we'd know it now. We, I, uh, might know it forever just because of that one game. Um, uh, yeah, so Tyler Gilbert, first career star for the Arizona Diamondbacks, throws a no-hitter. A no-hitter against the San Diego Padres. Yeah. Uh, who, uh, I have to check my notes here, are, uh, are a really good team. Uh, yes, that, that sounds accurate. Yeah, so... <laughs> And just watching watching the highlights of it, like he looked dominant too. This was this wasn't like fluky. There weren't any crazy calls. There weren't even that many spectacular defensive plays that that saved him. Like it was just a straight up, like I'm gonna give you my best stuff and I dare you to hit it kind of performance. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And I, I'm trying to pull up the names of um others that this has happened to but he is only the fourth player in major league history to toss a no hitter oh there were some fantastic debut. names because everyone that had done it before was like 1920 or earlier uh yeah correct uh bumpus jones for the 1892 reds bump bumpus bumpus jones uh, yep, and then you had uh, Bobo Holloman for the 1953 Browns. Oh, Bumpus and Bobo. And I cannot find the third name, but the third one was a zinger as well. <laughs> but yeah, that, many, 19, that 1950 was like the most... Uh, what? what? How, many, how many humans on Earth right now do you think are named Bumpus? 
Um, less than five, more than two. <laughs> oh, okay. Multiple bumpuses running around out there. Hey, brother, you you've lived in the South just as long as I've had. You, you've heard some names. That's fair. That's fair. There, you're you're probably right. There's there's a couple bumpuses running around out there. I I try to think about like the most random southern name that I know of. Uh, there's a guy who lives in the town that I I grew up in. Um, he's a bit of an anomaly. Like everybody kind of knows who he is, and his name is spelled B A N J E R. His name is Banjer. 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 Um, but he's also known by Banjo. The the most uniquely Southern name that I can think of uh, is actually incredibly well known by, I'm going to go out on a limb and say every single person that could possibly be listening to this. Uh-oh. Dansby Swanson. Yeah, Dansby is like... That's like that is like straight out of the 1820s South. Like that is, yeah, Dansby Swanson. Yes, Dansby Swanson was a known horse farmer (laughs) in rural Alpharetta. That's that's a name that you could have plucked out of the, the, the 1800s at some point. In 1815, his younger brother Reginald was attacked by a wild <laughs> mongoose. And yeah, yeah. What? I don't know, How man. How did we get to wild mongoose? Uh, I don't know. Are there? Okay, mongoose, plural. Mongooses or mongoose? I gotta go mongoose. You thinking mongoose? All right, I'm hang going on, mongoose. Mongoose, plural. Nope, it is mongooses. Nope, no, it says mongooses, also mongoose. So it's both. Oh, well, I'm going mongoose then. I'm sticking with that forever. Mongooses. <laughs> so anyway, Tyler Gilbert threw a no-hitter in his first career start. <laughs> How did we get from Tyler Gilbert to mongoose? Look, this podcast is just ADD the show, okay? <laughs> Oh God! Because I... <laughs> I know, I know for a fact that neither of us took our riddle in today. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh God. man, <laughs> it was it was always funny in school when like, like I never told anybody when I did or didn't take my medicine, and yet right. everybody knew. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's always always apparent. Like I would have teachers call me out in class, like. You didn't take your medicine today, did you? I'm like, no, I didn't. No. <laughs> oh God. Uh, fun times. Good times. Well, uh, that's some uh, some good times from the present. What do you say we look back at some good times from the past this week in baseball history? Let's do it. All right, we're gonna jump into this week in baseball history. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. And the week we're going to be looking at is August 16th through the 22nd. Our first fact comes to us from August 16th, 1954. So today, as of this recording, the first issue of Sports Illustrated is available on the newsstands. The inaugural cover of the innovative new magazine features a Mark Kaufman photo of brave slugger Eddie Matthews at bat, Giants catcher Wes Westrom behind the plate, and umpire Augie Donatelli catching calling balls and strikes in Milwaukee County Stadium. Huh. Alex, ha- Alex, how excited were you to run out and grab this off the newsstands? Ah, oh, couldn't couldn't get there fast enough. Oh man, I tell you, no, pretty <laughs> cool though that uh, first issue of Sports Illustrated had an Atlanta Brave on the cover. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that actually, but man, I think back to like my childhood and and sports illustrated was was the thing man like you had to have uh, a subscription to sports illustrated and when i was a kid i had to have the si for kids subscription oh for sure for sure yeah sport sports illustrated was a a, mu- a must have in in my house growing up too um you know that's where i got into you know as a kid so it, 
diving back to this. As a kid, you know, sports, I think at first for everyone, is like, ooh, cool moment. Oh, man, look. Oh, look at, you know, like, it's it's all defined by cool moments, big hits, uh, you know, big dunks, touchdowns, tackle, you know, just yeah. moments within a game. And that's where, like, you know, ages three to five, you get into sports by, you know, the moment. Um then as you, you know, I, I would say from ages, you know, five to eight is where you get into specific players, where you start to know specific people, where, you know, it's not just I know this team, it's I know this player and he does this and he is cool or, you know, they do this and they are they are awesome like that, that sort of thing. But then I think, you know, for for sports fans or, or for kids who remain into sports, I think that age of like nine to 12 where you become capable of you know dissecting something within sports um is where you you start to look at things a little bit differently so that was the age for me with like sports illustrated of like reading articles and getting into like people's backstories or you know getting into current event topics across you know the gamut of sports and you know sports illustrated helped me do that yeah 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 let let me ask you this, because because yes. maybe this is just a, a weird me thing, but I, I feel like when I was a kid, maybe up until the age of of 12 or 13, like I, I kind of I don't re- aside from North Carolina basketball, that being the one exception, uh, I, I really never got into teams as much as I got into players. OK. Like I would pick my favorites and follow them. Um, right. North Carolina being the exception, of course, because I lived in Chapel Hill from ages five to ten. Right. Um, but yeah, it was like it was like, what's Michael Jordan doing? What's Ken Griffey Jr. doing? Like, what are all these other players doing? Like, I didn't care what team they played for or or how far that team got. Like, I just wanted to see my favorite players do their thing. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I could see that perspective of it. Like, I just I think of like kids I know, kids I know now, you know, it might not be a fair comparison, but, you know, a, a lot of the, you know, younger family, like nieces and nephews that I have now that are into sports, you know, they know what Carolina basketball is or, you know, they know who the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are because they're the big team right now, you know, that, that sort of thing. But I don't know if they can mention specific players or not. I don't know. That, that's an, that's an interesting thought though. Yeah. Know. I, Good I, maybe it's just me, but that, that was, that was my timeline. Hey, uh, did you ever happen to notice that like there was a, there was one issue of sports illustrated that kind of disappeared. That, What's that, that, Hey, uh, dad, why don't we have a sports illustrated? uh th- this month and it's like oh, oh no, I, I don't know i don't know it didn't oh no, it didn't, no, no. Uh, didn't in, come in, in my son. house it was the other way around it was son where'd the sports illustrated go because <laughs> <laughs> i i and the reason i knew is because i would go to the grocery store and i would see it on the bookshelves before it made it to our house Ah, and so you could bet your bottom dollar that my 12 year old ass was waiting by the mailbox <laughs> for that mailman to show up. Oh man, and not a page was turnable after that. All right, uh, next back comes to us from August 18th, 1996, so 25 years ago this week. After a after arriving at the ballpark feeling ill, Padres third baseman Ken Caminiti refuses to be taken out of the lineup and goes on to hit two home runs and drives in four runs in the team's eight to nothing win over the Mets at what? At what? Hang on, this threw me off. Over the Mets at Mexico's Estadio de Baseball Monterrey. So apparently this game was played in Mexico. The eventual in Monterey, Mexico, no less. The eventual National League MVP, a food poisoning and dehydration victim, recovers when he receives two liters of fluid and eats a Snickers bar before the game starts. (laughs) 
and and his manager couldn't tell him a damn thing for the rest of the year. Ken Caminiti had the poops. Had the poops. So did you have did you have a go to like athletics snack? Ooh, like something before you went and played baseball, like immediately before you took the field or something like that. No, so never, never before a game. And like I'm, I'm still guilty of this to this day. My entire life, I have had a nervous stomach, or huh. like an, or like an anxious stomach. So like, um, even like now, whenever I call baseball games, I can't eat beforehand. I just, I can't. Um, and it's not like a, a point of like, oh, I'm so like I'm a nervous wreck. I can't do it. No, it's just like I'm, I'm wound up. I'm, I'm geared up, and I can't. Like eating is just not something that I'm concerned with. So no, I I never ate before games growing uh, up. Honestly, me either. Like I I can't. I don't like to. I don't like to do any physical activity on a full stomach. But right. The one thing that I got from my dad because this was uh, a trick he used when he was a competitive swimmer when he was a kid, um, and that is like a spoonful of honey right before. You're, you're going to go out and, and play whatever, in my case, tennis. Um, but just just to give you that that jolt of sugar rush to get you up and running. And then like the 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 adrenaline and energy would take over from there. It's good stuff. Good stuff. OK, so what was what was your post uh, post game snack or meal? Uh, 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 approximately. Seven and a half pounds of pasta. A carb load. I like and it. To, to this day, that's like if if you had a gun to my head and you told me I had to eat one food until I died from it, <laughs> it would be pasta in just about any form. I like it. But it's so versatile. Like, you know, you can just you could literally open up your pantry and figure out some kind of pasta dish to make. Yep. Yep, and I, I I didn't even go too crazy with it, like because after after a a difficult tennis match, I didn't want to waste too much time cooking. So I would just I would cook a box of pasta. I would do like olive oil, garlic, salt, and pepper, and just just throw it down. Oh yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. What what was you what was your post game food? Uh, post game food. So like the the rec fields that I always played at growing up you know the the players got free concessions after the game like up to a certain dollar amount so it was always like a powerade and like a hot dog and maybe a, a candy bar or something like that nice. like just yeah just good good like ballpark food a- after after the game good stuff that's cool nothing says completing physical activity like a uh, processed hot dog and uh right. a, a candy bar yes. yeah man yeah man got a <laughs> God, I got to get that sodium intake up, by God. <laughs> All right. Our next fact comes to us from August 20th, 2020. So just last year, the Padres set the major league mark for the most consecutive games with a grand slam when Eric Hosmer connects with the bases full, making Slam Diego the first team to hit a four-base home run in four consecutive contests. Fernando Tatis Jr., Will Myers, and Manny Machado contributed to the historical accomplishment during the team's four-game home-and-away series sweep against the Rangers. You're, you're just going to stick with four-base home run there? Well, I mean, that's how National Pastime phrased it, sir. <laughs> they, look, look, the, the people that run this site obviously went to, like, journalism school or something, because in every one of these facts, they refused to use the same phrase twice. I'd say, I'd say at least 95% of the home runs I've seen have been four base. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Look, I'll send you the screenshot. That's what it says. All right. <laughs> but do you remember how wild? Okay. okay so keep in mind. It was, that... it was every night. It, it seemed like they were going to hit a grand slam every night forever. Well, it wasn't the first one, the, the three, one count grand slam. The, oh, 3-0. Oh, 3-0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, three. It, was, it was the one where Tatis got just destroyed for swinging 3-0 in a blowout. Yeah. That was a fun night on Twitter. Oh, it because really that, was. 
Because that was also that was also the same game. Travis Darno to the gap. <laughs> Travis. God, it's so nice to have a catcher who can hit. Um, that was also the same night that uh, Dansby walked us off against the Nationals at home. Remember, he hit, a, he hit like. Oh a, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yes, yes. So that was just a fun night on Twitter all around. <laughs> yes, we had we had good times. Yes, we did. All and right. I, I remember that because I was uh, I I switched over to the game as soon as I heard that the bases loaded were were tat uh blah, the bases were loaded for Tatis. And it was a uh, it was a game that was being broadcast on FS1, so it was a national broadcast, not the San Diego local guys. And as soon as he hit that grand slam, the the commentators just started trashing him. Just started going to town on him, and I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Like these, these commentators who are supposed to be, like the the ones that really sell the game to the audience, are just dogging on one of the coolest players in the game. Yeah, it, we, you know, we could do an entire podcast on the whole unwritten rules scenario, but you know, not swinging on three and zero is something that. Like I remember being taught in Little League, you know, as soon as, you know, we started getting pitched to by other players. But it wasn't in in my memory. It when when we were taught that as kids, it was not uh, in an effort to you know show respect to the other team. No, it was an effort to draw a walk. Exactly. Because, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So so here here here's the thing with that whole situation. In in three O counts at the major league level, you can almost guarantee ninety five percent of the time the next pitch is going to be a strike right down the dick. So why not swing? You I know what I mean? I, yeah, I don't get it. And as I say that, uh, Guzman just just did a four pitch walk to Solaire. <laughs> oh no, that was uh that was Heredia. That was Heredia. You're right. You're right. We're at the bottom of the order. So yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Un, un, we, we, we could we could do an entire podcast on that. Anyway. All right. Our, hey, Tuki coming back up to bat. Top of the seventh. Sweet. Oh. They're going to give they're going to give Tuki the bottom of the seventh. All right. I love it. How many pitches is he yet? Uh, I don't know. Because not not knowing what you know is going to have tomorrow. Like the, after the second or the third inning, he was cruising, man. Uh, Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, you know. He allowed two runs through the first two innings and then hasn't allowed Jack since. <laughs> well, especially um, with especially with Enoa pitching tomorrow night and not knowing what's coming. For for those him. of you for those of you who might not know the timeline we're on, we are recording uh, in the top of the seventh inning of the first game of the Braves Marlins series. The Braves currently lead twelve to two and have two runners on base with Tukey not being pinch hit pinch hit for, but staying in the game to hit for himself. Yes, sir. Uh, every, All right. Every fiber of my being wants to see this man launch one into the seats. I, I may pass on to another, another realm if he does that. <laughs> All right. Our final fact comes to us from August 22nd, 2011. With two outs in the eighth inning in a game against the Dodgers at Bush Stadium, Matt Holliday exits the game when a moth gets stuck in his right ear. Using <laughs> tweezers, hear me, hear me out. Using tweezers, the team trainers remove the deeply embedded insect from the Cardinal left fielder's auditory canal, which comes out alive. What? The man had a moth fly into his ear during the middle of a game and had to get pulled because the thing was still alive in there. How have I never heard of this? That's crazy. Well, after that, he might not have heard of it either. <laughs> but you know where he could have heard about this from, don't you? Where's that, Cam? He could have heard about it on Spotify Green Room. <laughs> Spotify Green Room is an audio-only chat room app that you can download on iOS and Android devices. Hang out with Dylan and Doc from Platinum Sombrero, possibly Alex and I, because 
we did talk about uh, during one of our breaks possibly doing something kind of neat on there coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll be sure to put that out there when it comes time. But yeah, it's just a fun way to jump in and basically what's well, a chat room, but audio only. So you can just come on, hang out. It's kind of like those uh, those party lines back in the day, except now you won't rack up your parents' telephone bills. <laughs> so yeah, Spotify Green Room, check it out. That has been This Week in Baseball History. Do with that useless knowledge what you will. All right, guys, we will be right back to take a look at this past week for the Braves and take a look ahead at what's coming up for them. All right, coming off the back of one of the first Wholly positive weeks for the Atlanta Braves. We had another very positive week. We started with a three-game set against the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, and the Braves come out and take the first one 3-2 to two with Drew Smiley out-dueling Sonny Gray. Uh, Sonny Gray, who looked really good to start, but uh, but Drew managed to go out there and give us six full innings, allowing only two hits and two earned runs while striking out seven. One of Drew Smiley's better starts of the season. It was uh, it was really fantastic to see. Uh, the Reds took the early lead on a on an Aristides Aquina home run uh, that scored Votto as well. Took a two nothing lead there uh, before Duval comes up in the fourth and hits a bomb that scores him and Swanson to tie it up. And then we had a we had a nice little replay of of that awesome game against the Cardinals. And the winning run was walked in with the bases loaded by Amir Garrett. And I laughed and laughed and laughed. It was uh it was so much fun to see. Like I'm I'm going to I'm going to freak out over every run that gets walked in for the Braves with the bases loaded from here on out. Uh, Yeah, that entire inning was just bizarre. Yes. All right. So the Braves take the first game of the series with the Reds, uh, come back in the second, uh, have a higher scoring affair. But the Braves wind up winning eight to six. Had Tukey Toussaint going up against Wade Miley. Tukey goes five innings, allowing four hits, two earned runs, striking out five. Wade Miley goes the same five innings, but allows five hits and five earned runs. Uh, the uh, the Reds try to come back late, uh, actually take a uh, a six to five lead on the Braves going into the bottom of the ninth inning, uh, thanks to a bit of a shaky outing from Will Smith. Uh, Braves get to the eleventh before Ozzy Albie's does his thing and hits a tank into the chop house to walk us off. It was lit. Oh man, that was that was just fantastic. Um indeed and, you know, it you, was. Uh should have record, never been in that situation, but nope, nope, but you know, we uh we're 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 our our lineup is performing well enough that we can now get past some of these issues that we're having with the bullpen. And hopefully that all sorts itself out uh, before it comes back to bite us in a bad way. Indeed. So you've won the series going for the sweep at home against the Reds on Wednesday. Uh, and that didn't go so well. Reds win 12 to three. Uh, Kyle Muller uh, has, has his worst outing as a, uh, as a major leaguer so far only gets through two and a third, allowing six earned runs. Uh, meanwhile, Vladimir Gutierrez, the starting pitcher for the Reds, uh, pitched a gem going six innings, allowing five hits, but only one earned run and striking out six. Uh, not much great to point out from this game. You did get yet another home run from Ozzy Albies, giving him his 20th on the season. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you lost this one, but you took the series. So you got to feel good about that. The Reds are a very good team. Oh, yeah, for sure. And unfortunately, it just it got away from the guys, you know, kind of early. Well, it got away from from Mueller and he had to get pulled earlier than, you know, I think anybody would have liked for him to. And then when you go with Tomlin early in a game like that to eat innings, you know, I think you've kind of made your mind up about how that game is gonna go well you know with the with the game the night before going to to the 11th inning your your bullpen was taxed 
Yeah, like, you had no. You had what two guys that you didn't use, and one of them was Tomlin. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, we're talking about a game that didn't end until probably eleven or eleven thirty the night before, and then this was a one twenty start on Wednesday. So it's not even like the the bullpen had a full day to to recuperate from from their outings the day before. So uh, not really. It was like too... a five o'clock. No, it was like a five o'clock start. Was it? Oh, I thought it was it was a one o'clock. Either way, still not a full twenty four hours. Anyway, anyway. Um, so uh, from there, we head to Washington for a series against the Nationals. Have Charlie Morton on the mound up against. Josiah Gray for the Nationals. Uh, Charlie gives us a fantastic outing, going six innings, allowing six hits, two earned runs, and striking out seven. Uh, and Josiah Gray, who, let me just say, is going, he's going to be a problem. Yeah, he's good. This kid's, <laughs> like, he's he's still got some stuff to figure out. Don't get me wrong. He, he went six innings, uh, allowed five hits, three earned runs, struck out six. Everyone said that the one thing that he struggles with is the long ball right now. Luckily, the Braves were able to take advantage of that. Travis Darnot gives gets his first home run since coming back off the IL. Ozzie Albies hits yet another one. Dansby Swanson hits one, and Austin Riley hits one as well. Three of those came off of Gray. Um, but yeah, just a, a, a pretty good offensive outing. Uh, Braves win four to two with all of their runs coming on solo home runs in this game. Hey, whatever works. A win is a win is a win. Yep. Um, also, uh, shouldn't go without mentioning uh, that you had a fantastic outing from the bullpen. After Charlie left uh, to begin the seventh inning, Richard Rodriguez comes in, uh, gives us an inning, inning pitch, did allow two hits, but no earned runs. Tyler Massick comes in after that, allows one hit, strikes out two, no earned runs. Will Smith comes in to close out the game, finishes the ninth inning with no hits allowed, does walk one, but strikes out two and gets the save. Fun. <laughs> this was, It was good stuff. Like, just, you know, good, gritty, gritty wins here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, early on in that game, I, I did not feel good about our chances to win it because Josiah Gray just just came out of the gate shoving, and it was it was a few innings before uh, I think it might have even been maybe the towards the end of his second turn through the order or the beginning of his third where where we finally started to see his pitches pretty well. Yeah, yeah, and you know, like you said though. Getting, you know, getting to a young pitcher like that is just a sign of how young they are. But, yeah, that that kid's going to be really good in years to come. Yep. He's he's got a live fastball and a nasty curveball and a couple of other complimentary pitches that play pretty darn well. Um, And uh, he's he's going to be a real issue once uh, once the you know, the the Corbin Strasburg era is over in in Washington. It's it's Josiah Gray time, and I, I'm not excited about facing him. I, I feel about him today the way I felt about Sixto Sanchez this time last year. Right. Yeah. Big potential. You know that that kid's going to be good. Yep. Yep. So uh, so take the first one from the Nationals. We come back on uh, on Saturday and have an absolute offensive explosion. Braves win 12-2. to two. Max Freed goes six innings, allowing five hits, one earned run, and striking out seven. Braves get to Patrick Corbin. He goes four and two-thirds innings, allowing seven hits, six earned runs, and striking out five. Again, this was a product of the long ball. You had Adam Duvall hit one in the ninth. You had Ozzie Albies yet again. Dansby Swanson hit two. And honestly, like people, st uh, this was the game where I saw people on the internet start asking, do the Braves have the best infield in baseball? And, and I hadn't thought about it to that point, but I mean, if you think about it for a minute, who who on earth has a better infield than the Atlanta Braves? Is anyone close? I I think you'd be hard pressed to find them because my goodness. I, I mean, everybody's got 20 plus home runs. 
everybody's playing really good defense uh, and and they're getting clutch hits too. I mean, it's it's just a nightmare for opposing teams right now. And and good lord, if they could keep this up, uh, I mean, yeah, it sucks not having Acuna, but these guys can get the job done. You know, just it's like we said when when Acuna went down. I think you and I both expressed this sentiment on the show that like you know like no matter what happened moving forward this season. You know, we're playing with house money, right? Exactly. Like, everything is just a bonus. But then all of a sudden now, you've jumped up into first place where, you know, it's still going to be a dogfight to the end. But the two teams that, like, you're potentially going to be fighting over the division for had their chance to put Atlanta away and didn't. You know? Yep. That's That's kind of the funniest thing to me in all this is, like, you had your absolute shot at getting the Braves out of contention by pulling away and you didn't do it. So here well, we are. And here we are today. Uh, go, well, going into the Sunday game, uh, this was, this was probably, this was definitely the tightest game of the series against the Washington nationals. You had drew smiley back up on the Hill going up against Espino from the, uh, from the nationals. And neither starter really did well. They both went four innings. Uh, Drew Smiley allowed three earned runs. Espino allowed five. Uh, Drew Smiley kept the ball in the yard, which is uh, which is the one positive I, I can say. Um, I was listening to this one on the radio, and and there were some uh, some concerns coming from Ben and Joe that that he might be injured, that he just didn't look himself, and that his his, his fastball didn't have the life that it normally has. So uh, be interesting to see what he looks like next time around. Uh, Jesse yeah, Chavez, I, I heard, I heard that too. Like, especially I think by the time I got to that third inning, they were talking as though his demeanor seemed a little bit different out on the mound. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to just see how it goes next time around. Uh, luckily for the Braves, you've still got, uh, you still got Waskar Inoa and Ian Anderson coming back. So uh, hopefully that can fill any void that might be left if we do see Drew Smiley go to the injured list. Uh, after Drew Smiley got pulled, Jesse Chavez comes in, uh, who has been normally solid, but had one of his rougher outings of the season, allowing two earned runs in his one inning pitched. Uh, but after that, you had Richard Rodriguez, Tyler Matzik, Luke Jackson, and Will Smith, who pitched a combined four innings, allowing only one hit in those four innings and striking out four combined. Uh, so the bullpen has really stepped it up over this past week, despite the one rough outing that we had from Will Smith. Uh, Braves win six to five uh, and take the sweep from the Nationals, giving themselves sole possession of first place for the first time all season. And when they took sole possession of first place yesterday afternoon, the Braves magic number became 44. 44. Huh? How about that? Baseball's a funny game, you know, it really is. So Braves magic number is 44. The way tonight's game is looking, that's going to be down to 43 real quick. So, uh, so you know, Braves have their sights set on uh, on a, yet another National League East title. So going into next week, we've got the, well, going into this current week, we've got the three games set in Miami. Tuki Toussaint was up on the mound, had a great outing tonight, but we'll talk about that more next week. Tomorrow... Waskar Inoa makes his triumphant return to the Braves rotation, taking on Sandy Alcantara. And on Wednesday, we've got a 7-10 start with Charlie Morton going up against Jesus Luzardo for the Miami Marlins. That'll be the first time we've seen Luzardo since he came over to the Marlins from Oakland. From there, we head up to Baltimore to take on the, uh, the Orioles. We've got Max Fried on the hill for the first one there. Uh, we've got... Keegan Aiken on the mound for the uh, for the the Orioles in that one. Uh, he is rocking an 0 and 7 record with an 8.13 ERA. Uh, so hopefully that's as fun as it looks like it could be. 
Drew Smiley takes the hill for the Saturday game against the Orioles up against familiar foe Matt Harvey, who has uh, who has found. Uh, oh, sorry. Wrong Harvey. It's Hunter. Hunter Harvey. I was going to say Matt Harvey. <laughs> Matt Harvey is pitching for the Orioles, though, is he not? He was. I don't he know absolutely if he still is. is. Actually, I think he's pitching tonight. I think I saw some stats on him. So, yes, uh, okay. it is Hunter, not Matt Harvey, who will be pitching for the Orioles come Saturday. Uh, he is uh, has been primarily a relief pitcher so far this season uh, with a 342 ERA. So it'll be interesting to see what he does in a starting role. And then on Sunday, to close out that series, Tuki Tucson will be back on the mound going up against John Means. John Means, who has had a really good season for the Orioles so far. His ERA is a minuscule 3.21. So uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes against the Orioles. Their record suggests that we should sweep that series. Um, but we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. They're, they're going to give us their best. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be, as usual, I'll be happy with two out of three there. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, it's like it's like the old Bobby Cox motto. Just win the series. You know, exactly. Two out of three. Two out of three. Win the series. And the law of averages will help catch up with everything else. We we win every series from now to the end of the season. You are uh, you are looking at the four time defending National League East champions. Golden pony boy. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we don't have anything in the way of voicemails this week. But just as a reminder, if you have any questions or comments for the show, you can always hit us up at 678-242-9408 with text messages or voicemails, uh, and we'll we'll put you on the show. So uh, so yeah, it'll be it's been a fun week. Hopefully, it's going to be a fun one coming up. We will talk to y'all next week. But for now, my name's Alex. That's Cam. We'll see y'all next week for another brand new episode. Bye. With that, we've reached the end of the show. If you want to connect with the show, you can contact us via text or voicemail at 678-242-9408 or on Twitter at Average Chatting. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash chatting average. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast.